0: Hello and welcome to lx Two Codependency Coaching. We are recording live on Instagram for those of you who want to watch the video of all of the magic that happens while I am recording my podcast. So it also just gives me something to look at, so that I'm not just talking into the microphone and looking out into space, <laughs> which is not as attractive. Um, at least, just holds me accountable to manage my face. Um, but Like I was saying earlier, I have a lot of times, like the podcast content comes from the writing that I'm doing, which comes from the processing that I'm also doing, uh, which I find interesting because I'm out here uh, usually alone, although I have had a guest last three weeks. Um, But when I'm alone, I spend a lot of time, you know, just processing out loud, uh, (laughs) sometimes in my head, but mostly out loud. Uh, the things that I'm thinking about and and certainly writing about. And so uh, the last couple weeks, I've been really kind of going through and processing like grief and how codependency shows up in relationships. When my sister was here, it was like kind of the origins of my codependency and like how I was raised and, you know, the family that I grew up in and the things that I experienced while I was growing up. And so um, lately, it's been about how codependency shows up in romantic relationships. And so I sat down and wrote um, a couple essays in the last two, like, week or so. um, I wrote one at the end of last week on uh, grief, and it's actually posted on my website um, because I'm starting to do the blog things I said that I was going to, and now I'm holding myself accountable to publishing things on the website Um, But today I wrote about codependency specifically in romantic relationships and kind of how it shows up. And um, I was trying to find a balanced perspective so that it's not just, you know, kind of a cautionary tale on how codependency can be really prevalent in a romantic relationship, uh, especially after the kind of the newness and the shininess wears off. Uh, Which happens, like when we are initially attracted to someone, you know, we're attracted to someone physically and emotionally and mentally and we're stimulated and, you know, if we're doing physical things, then it's kind of clouded with uh, pheromones and hormones and endorphins and so we're like super excited about the other person and oftentimes what we're going to miss is red flags. So it's, uh, it's kind of a treacherous time if you think about it. Because, you know, we're all excited and, and uh, I think in the movie Bambi, it talks about the word Twitterpated, uh, super motivated to like spend time with the other person and get to know them and, um, and oftentimes we're on our best behavior, right? Like we're, especially when we're actively like dating or trying to pursue a romantic relationship, we are showing what Chris Rock likes to call our representative. So it's like all the cool, fun things about us that we want to highlight and show when we are you know kind of pursuing something romantic and we, you know we're in a good mood because we have all these endorphins flowing so we want to be like you know i am great at all these things and we say all the words of like these are things i'm interested in and these are things i want to do and these are this is the person that i am and oftentimes there's some truth to that but it also is this is the person i want to be And I want to show you and highlight all these great things. Um, I often recommend that, you know, you spend a couple seasons with someone to really see their true potential. Um, You know, first dates, great job interview. You know, someone is like really sweet and kind and generous or whatever. Um, And then, you know, kind of a month in, six months in, you're seeing a whole season. And part of that is to really look at, you know, how they are with other people, um, what they do in a stressful situation, you know, do they cuss when they drive? <laughs> I cuss all the time, by the way, uh, not just when I drive. And I can be a little aggressive and overwhelming, um, I think. I don't know. I, I've never dated myself. Um, but it, it's really something to consider. Is like spending a couple seasons with someone, you get to see their life Um, and how they deal with different things, how they deal with their family, how they deal with strangers. Like, um, I often encourage people to go on a trip together. um, If traveling is something they're both interested in, uh, to see how they plan and how they, you know, handle stress and how they handle their anxiety and, you know, what it looks like when they are triggered to, you know, their, their coping skills so that you're paying attention to what your coping skills are and how they look in a relationship. Um, But one of the things that is kind of highlighted is thinking about um, oftentimes people will lose parts of themselves and sometimes they choose consciously to eliminate parts of themselves when they're in a relationship. And so these are things that can trigger our codependency when we really think about how you know, um, I want to make sure that I'm showing up. The best that i am in a relationship but also i want to manage all the kind of crazy parts of myself so that i'm not scaring scaring this person off um or i don't really like certain reactions or behaviors from them so i'm going to do what i can to avoid those certain reactions or behaviors Um, and so while i was writing i was talking about my own relationships which, as I was getting ready for the podcast and the video, I was thinking, um, my exes listen to the podcast because <laughs> um, it's publicly formatted and it's fine. Um, and you know, these are definitely things that that we've said out loud to each other. Um, and I have a good relationship with um, some of my exes. But anyway, what I was talking about was initially. It, um, let's talk about my marriage just for like a little bit. Um, I was married when I was 25, and uh, 24-year-old me was all cute and precious, and a single mom, and you know, making decisions based on um, kind of security and and safety and fear of you know having to provide for a tiny human. Um, and so I made the decision to get married, and, and I married the individual that I married uh, based on a lot of that information. We were married for 18 years together. And um, you know, things changed over time as they do, and they're supposed to. Uh, but I recognized that like somewhere along the way, I had lost significant parts of myself and kind of compromised things that I really wanted in a relationship, um, because the person that I married did not, you know enjoy those things or those were not parts of, of who they were. And um, Really now, kind of in a postmortem autopsy kind of way, <laughs> I recognized that there were significant parts of myself that I either shut down or didn't participate in because I wasn't going to get those needs met. Um, and I I recognize now that certainly like 49 year old me has a lot of compassion and empathy for you know 27, 30 year old, 35 year old me. I got a lot of really good things from that relationship, but one of the things that I did recognize was that I compromised a lot of who I am. And so in some ways I talk about, you know, kind of selling my soul (laughs) to have security and and safety in a relationship, which didn't always look the way that I thought it would. Um, One thing that is kind of neutral is like, I really enjoy dancing and like going out with my friends and stuff. and my partner did not enjoy that. Um, was not really a fan of dancing, was not really a fan of like social interactions. Um, and so that changed over time to the point where I was just like going out by myself. Oftentimes, um, one of the other things that was like, it's kind of important to me is like, I like to get up and go for a walk or go for a bike ride. Um, and that's something I wanted from a partner and my partner wasn't into that. so you know, he would do things and that was great. But, you know, there was always like a little bit of resentment or frustration, it would cause them anxiety. Um, And so I recognized that either I could not do those things, or I would do those things on my own or with people who did want to do them. Um, And so those were parts of myself that I was willing to compromise Um, you know, there, there are red flags that we miss oftentimes in the beginning of a relationship because we are so overwhelmed with like oxytocin and, um, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, all those things are happening. And so we just think that the other person is like cute and fun and aren't they great, which is awesome. And I, I want that. I think that that's really important to highlight. Um, but when you go through several different phases of life what you will notice is how those other people, you know, the, the partner that we want to create a life, create a life with not just, you know, tiny human, but like build something together. It's going to be important to really see all the different aspects of how they show up in the world, because you know, that, that initial first few months is kind of wrought with like all this really cool stuff. That being said, there are lots of relationships that start and then like significant things can happen in the beginning, which kind of lock you into um, kind of a stress response. So, um, you know, I have worked with couples kind of throughout my career. And one of the things that I like to do initially is to kind of talk about their history. So people don't come to therapy generally um, at the initial parts of a relationship because things are great and you know, they're really meeting in the middle and and able to compromise and work through things. Uh, People don't show up in my office until things are kind of challenged. What I do recommend is certainly before making like long term commitments to each other, it's a good idea to have a neutral party kind of assess the, the parts of the relationship that maybe aren't working as well as you know, you think they are, or maybe you're seeing some things that could look like flags they could be yellow, they could be red, you're not sure. Maybe talking to someone outside of your circle to kind of get a neutral and unbiased perspective. Um, so when I worked with couples in the past, oftentimes we would initially talk about the history. Like, how did you two meet? Like what drew you to each other, what were you um motivated by, you know, when you're spending time together? Because when we are in a long-term relationship, some of those initial things that we really liked change over time which is totally normal and that's the thing that happens but it's hard to see it when you're like in the beginning and everything is great when there's like dinners and trips and and you know really spending time together if there are external factors like you know you're dealing with grief or loss or death change of jobs um, different circumstances you're gonna see a more highlighted example of who that person is when they're dealing with stress which I encourage. Um, it is an opportunity to really recognize how your partner deals with stressful things um, and how can you be supportive without losing yourself, right? Because oftentimes in relationship, we want to be supportive. We want to be accepting. We want to, you know, we just really care about this person that we're spending time with. And so we're, you know, doing all these things to spend time with them and and really be supportive and, and helpful. But somewhere along the way, that can turn into stuff that builds resentment. We'll get to resentment in a minute. Um, But that's why I encourage people spending, you know, significant amount of time, not just like the two of you one-on-one the whole time, but really learning about stressful times and how they got through those, um, building different parts of how you're communicating and actually encouraging kind of conflict or you know, having differing opinions. So kind of back to my, you know, initial relationship, we never fought. That was not really something we did often. I I can be a conflict-oriented human, uh, but I tend to be conflict avoidant. So I don't like to have conflict. I don't like to fight with my partners. I will probably shut down or not engage rather than having a helpful communication that says, hey, I'm feeling stressed, or I'm feeling overwhelmed, or I don't really like it when you do this thing or that thing. um, I just won't say anything. I'm better at it now. But um, initially, and certainly when I was younger, I would just shut down. Um, And because of the family dynamic that I grew up in, conflict was not safe or healthy for me, um, because it was usually somebody else yelling. And that was not really a good way to kind of build communication and compromise. In my second relationship, after I left my marriage, um, I was dealing with someone who was really good at conflict, actually had it a lot. Um, And so what I knew to be true about myself is I'm not going to argue about dinner. I'm not going to argue about um, what we're watching or music we're listening to. I'll just not do it. Um, And I, again, was like selling parts of myself or, you know, cutting those pieces off To get my needs met which was to be in this relationship or to stay in a situation that was better than what i was leaving right none of these relationships were super toxic or violent or abusive per se um but they were not healthy for me and so what they did teach me is that i was probably better off by myself than in these relationships. But I didn't think that at the time. So I stayed in them for probably longer than I should have. Um, And again, I I lost parts of myself. Now, these are kind of neutral examples. Um, What I'm not encouraging is people to stay in in relationships that are like super violent or toxic, um, or abusive, but really recognizing that people will stay in those because they're better than the alternative, and the alternative is usually to be by themselves or, um, you know, to not have your needs met. <clears throat> and I'm talking, you know, base needs like housing and um, security and safety and those things. So I'm not encouraging anybody to just like jump out of a relationship. I'm just saying that this is how codependency shows up when you are in a relationship with somebody that you care about. You're oftentimes going to sacrifice parts of yourself. Um, And for me, it's, you know, these tiny cuts that eventually turn into big compromises. Um, And what I know to be true about myself is if there's conflict, I'm going to avoid it. And I'm not necessarily as good, though I have learned over time, to communicate my needs and feelings. Oftentimes, I'll just be like, okay, well, I guess we're not doing that. Or I guess we're not having that in this relationship, going out with my friends, going dancing, Um, classic example is I like, I, well, before now I used to be a lot more extroverted and social. Um, and so I like to have parties, big parties, little parties, get togethers, whatever. Um, and so my ex-husband would help me set up with a party and like help me make food and do all the things. And then classically would disappear when other people got there. Um, and so, you know, he'd go into the bedroom and get on the computer or whatever. And one time my girlfriend went to go get her coat and didn't realize that my ex-husband was in there <laughs> she was like, ah! Bill's in the room. Um, and I, yeah, that's where he hangs out during the party. And then he'll come out after and help clean up and do all the things, which is fine. Like that, that's a really helpful way, um, that we were able to find a compromise. But if I was going to go to a party or if I was going to go to an event or a function, he didn't want to go. Um, And I could be really kind of resentful and passive aggressive about that, or kind of insist that like once a month could you go out with me? Um, And at a certain point, I just started going by myself. It was just easier. There was less conflict. I recognized that's not a thing he enjoyed. There were other things that we enjoyed doing together, like we would go to shows and concerts and stuff. um, But if it was an interactive social engagement, he wasn't going to go. My second partner, he didn't go to any of those things, and. I'd invite him, you know, I remember one year, specifically for my birthday, uh, my friends were having a party for me, and he conveniently got sick. Um, (laughs) Or he got drunk and then didn't end up going. So it's those kinds of situations where you start to recognize that we are actually enabling someone else's behavior if we continue to compromise ourselves in those situations. And it's really kind of challenging if you think about how we contribute to it because we want to stay in a situation rather than disrupt, you know, our lives or the normal that we have kind of established with someone. And none of this shows up at the beginning. And if it does, and we ignore it from the beginning, that's a whole different animal. And we'll talk about that later. But um, it is something to consider that when we want to be in relationship with someone, we're going to do and show up as a best version of ourselves, right? Most people don't go on dating apps or start meeting people, you know, in a shitty time of their lives. Sometimes that happens, but oftentimes we're going to show up with our best representative and be like, hey, I like all of these things. I like hiking. You like hiking. I like going to football games. You like football games? You know, and even if I don't, I may be like, show me more. Tell me more about that. What's that like for you? Um, And I may be willing to like, go and check that out. Um, and who knows, I may be into it. I didn't pick my team until maybe about four years ago. Still don't watch games, it's not something I do. Um, but I tell people up front, like I'm not a sport human. If you wanna do that, I'd love that for you, but I'm probably not gonna do that. I'm also secure enough in myself to be like, I'm gonna to go to a thing, you're totally welcome to go. If you're not into it, that's okay. But if it's something that's super important to me and you choose not to, That's going to be noted in your report. (laughs) Hold on, water. One of the things that as I was writing, you know, kind of talking about rather than just focusing on the doom and gloom of like relationships suck and everybody's going to be codependent and it's not going to be good. There are obviously ways around that or working through it so that it doesn't continue to be an issue because if you don't deal with it in the first relationship, you will be dealing with it every con- you know, subsequent relationship. And so one of the things to really help with is to have regular check-ins with your partner. Um, and so for my ex-husband and I, you know, we'd have five-year check-ins where we'd be like, hey, is this working for you? Is this not, you know, kind of give me your feedback on where you are today, um, or where you are in the last five years. What really worked in our relationship? What do we need to work on? Um, and then you know, seeking out external help if there's something that could be worked on or, or um, tweaked a little bit so that it is a successful relationship for both people or multiple people that are in it. Um, but really recognizing that change happens over time, whether you want it to or not, right? And so we are going to be Reactive to the stimulus that happens in in a relationship, and especially if it's a long term relationship, and that's the goal, right? Um, is to recognize like how people are dealing with the stress of financial challenges, or um, loss, or change in job, or moving, or you know all of these things that can happen in the multiple seasons of a long term relationship. You may not know that you know you get really anxious and overwhelmed and reactive when, you know, there's a sudden change in your job or a sudden change in your life circumstance. At a certain point in my marriage, um, my siblings, of which there are many, would come and stay with us. I have a different reaction to each of them. And so, you know, my husband didn't realize (laughs) that he would be dealing with not just me and my child, but it would be like my entire family at different points. Um, and he didn't grow up in a big family. And so that was definitely uh, a different bit of a stressor culturally we're different. And so, um, if you've ever been around a Latino family, there's a lot of noise, especially if it's a big family, we are very vocal in our uh, emotional response. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I turn into a very different person when I am around my family and especially when there's multiples of them around, um, And so that was something that he had to get used to was really recognizing that I get super anxious before a family function. Um, there's a lot of drinking usually, uh, (laughs) not always, but that did happen. Um, and then I have to de-stress. I'm exhausted. I'm probably cranky. Like, you know, all of those things will be indicators of how you are dealing with your partner in relationship. Um, And then raising a child together, like there's a lot of layers of things that happen and change. And it's an opportunity for you to have an awareness of how you're dealing with those things, but also how your partner is dealing with those things, right? And so if you are avoiding conflict and cutting off parts of yourself to keep this relationship, that's a potential problem. Also, who are you having in your relationship, right? Um, A talk to clients oftentimes because I'm a neutral third party. Um, I don't have an investment in them as individuals, but my investment is in in the relationship, right? And so I often will talk to clients, especially when working with couples, about how the relationship is my client. They should probably seek their own therapy. Sometimes I will see them individually, but not always, or I have in the past. Um, But when you're talking to your best friend oftentimes about your relationship, or when you're talking to your family, Um, they will get the very biased opinion of the person that they are, you know, talking about. And I know for myself as a mom, um, you know, if my daughter's talking to me about her relationship and she's, you know, kind of talking about like the challenges, I try to be neutral. There's only a certain threshold of neutrality where eventually I'm going to start seeing that person through that lens. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably going to have opinions about that. Um, and I'm better now about saying like, it's probably a good idea that you talk to the other people on the committee about this because I, I am getting to that place where I don't really like the person you're dating and that's not helpful, especially if you stay in that relationship. Um, but having a third party to be able to kind of have a neutral opinion is going to be helpful. Um, going to therapy is really helpful to learn you know better communication skills, really recognize where your conflict style comes from, Uh, looking at how are you asking for your needs? Are you asking for your needs? You should have needs in the relationship and you should be able to ask for them. Um, And if the other person can't meet them, that's okay. But, you know, either you're finding alternative ways to getting those needs met or maybe you're not in the right relationship. So these are all things to keep in mind when you are, especially doing the codependency work is have you lost yourself? Have you lost the things that you like, the things that you, used to really enjoy doing because you don't do them for and with your partner. Um, And so those are things to pay attention to. Um, I know for myself, like I recognize now, I was doing a lot of things by myself or with other people. And it came to a point where it was like, I would actually rather do these things with that other person or these other people than with you. And if you are not in a place to be able to do these things with me, then maybe this isn't the right relationship dynamic for us. Um, And so, obviously, in those two relationships, I left them. But what I did recognize is that I stayed probably longer than I should have, and I built up a lot of resentment and anger towards these humans who were just showing up as the humans that they are. They weren't doing this to me. That's just who they were, and I missed it. Or I saw it and avoided looking at it, right? And so... I think I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, you know, my toxic type is emotionally unavailable. <laughs> it's my favorite kind. Um, but in a lot of ways, I became emotionally unavailable in those relationships. And that's 100% on me. Um, and so really recognizing when you are triggered to withhold parts of yourself, or you're cutting off or changing the dynamic of who you are and how you show up, that's your codependency, Right there are definitely ways of working through it and and certainly in in the writing that I've done there are questions that help so that you can start to increase that awareness right because if your goal is to be in relationship you're going to have to work on showing up authentically and being the best version of yourself that's not easy because sometimes if we're not accepting or loving of those parts of ourselves that maybe aren't aren't the best right I have my own shitty coping skills. I'm still working on them, but I need to work on them with me first and not in relationship, right? And so those are things to pay attention to. Once I start posting more of the blog things on the website, you can start doing that work too. Um, But hopefully having this conversation or this, you know, watching the, the video or listening to the podcast, you have an opportunity to start to pay attention to either your current relationship or relationships in the past that didn't work out and then recognizing why it's not always the other person. Oftentimes we are teaching them how to interact with us. And I know for myself, like I shut down, I will stop talking um, because I, I want to avoid the conflict Like, and I don't want to hurt the other person. Like especially if I'm in a relationship and obviously we're going to be in relationships with people we care about um but i i don't want to hurt their feelings like i don't want them to feel sad or frustrated or anxious or all of those things but i will stop engaging in parts that are authentically me um i am better at it now than staying in something that is just not healthy um but i can tell you that like 27 year old me even 45 year old me was not really good at recognizing that dynamic um, and I'm, I'm using, again, neutral examples. Um, there was addiction in both of my previous relationships. Um, and codependency in the former versions of, like, how people defined it. Um, my first Al-Anon meeting, was it Al-Anon? Um, that I went to was because my ex-husband was an alcoholic. Um, and so that's kind of where I learned about codependency. Um, and then certainly through my work, continued to work on how it shows up, not just with addiction, right? It's gonna show up in a lot of ways and it usually shows up in our family of origin um, in terms of how we wanna keep ourselves safe or what we will do to get that acceptance or validation um, or just to be loved, right? And so I'm gonna, or I have in the past, definitely adjusted who I am in those relationships to be able to stay in them. Uh, which is not helpful. And it also is not helpful for the other person because they think, cool, you're just going to do whatever I want. Awesome. Then we'll just, you know, it'll be the you show, Um, which is not helpful again, because you're going to start to resent them. You're going to start to be frustrated. You're going to start to react from that place of, I do all of these things for you because I expect you to love me and you don't love me in the same way and i'm not loving myself when i'm in this relationship so that is your nugget for today um i am hoping to continue to uh create content um lots of things i did want to add just one other little piece um and that's the idea of loving someone's potential right so when when we show up in those initial kind of dating situations we are showing up with all this potential. And oftentimes people will talk about what they like or who they are or who they wanna be in the relationship and it shows all this potential. But the reality is that potential only goes so far and there are actions that kind of follow up with that. One of the things that I love about um, certainly who I am now is I am more inclined to, pay attention to what somebody says and also what they're doing, right? Cause if they say one thing and they're doing that, that creates a lot of trust for me and I see a lot of integrity in that. Um, but if they're doing, or if they're saying one thing and then doing something else or not doing something, then there's a misalignment there. And so if we're like, okay, well this is what they're saying, maybe they'll do it. And they don't, like that creates resentment that creates frustration. Um, but the other piece is that if you are pushing them to to do it or to, to follow through and they're resisting, what you're creating is guilt and shame for them. There's to manage, but recognize that when we love potential and not the person that's showing up, we're not in love with the same person. And it's not helpful for them or you to be in love with the potential of what they said they were going to do and not what they're actually doing. Um, and so that's, just something to pay attention to. I did some posts on it on Twitter and on Instagram. If you have questions, definitely um, shoot me an email or send me a message on Instagram. You can reach me here at Luna underscore X2 LLC or X to the Xennial underscore podcast. Um, You can reach me there. It is lx2.codcoach at Gmail. Um, And I really appreciate the interaction that I've had with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and end the video and then I'll end the podcast. It was good to see you. All right. We are off of the Instagram video, but again, I hope this is helpful to at least start to increase your awareness for your own behavior and relationships that you have been in. Um, Obviously the goal is not to end a relationship. The goal is to work on it and getting a third party, um, usually a, a counselor, therapist, um, spiritual advisor, whoever you turn to that can be neutral is going to be the best bet to be able to work through things and not just completely end things. Um, but if you're building communication, sk- communication and conflict skills, that's going to help you to be the best version of yourself in the relationship. And hopefully your partner is willing to work with you too. I, I really appreciate you guys listening. Take care. Hopefully I'll be back in a week. Talk soon.